Welcome to Walking Out Your Purpose with yours truly, Alicia Smith, where we focus on you reaching your full potential in all areas of your life through intentional dialogue and putting in the work. Let's get motivated to action so that we draw closer to realizing our life's purpose as women of God, wives, mothers, and businesswomen. Now come on in and eavesdrop on a conversation with me and sometimes a few others as we discuss having faith over fear from the pew to the boardroom and everywhere in between. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to walking out our purpose and accomplishing all that God has for us. All right, welcome to Walking Out Your Purpose podcast with yours truly, Alicia Smith. I am so glad that you have joined me today and what a treat we have. We have Quaya Cook. You all might know her as the Money Cook. She is back. And for those of you that this is your first time listening to the podcast, you are going to be so blessed and enriched and educated today uh, as we talk about finances. We all know it's the beginning of 2021 and we all are trying to get our ducks in a row. So, so excited to have you here today. And Quaya, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, girl. And for those uh, that don't know, Quaya is uh, a friend of mine. And she's, like I said, very uh, knowledgeable, works in the finance or uh, industry. And I'm so excited for you all to hear from her today. So, Quaya, that's who you are to me, very dear friend. So why don't you share with people who you are? Okay, so as you mentioned, my name is Quaya. I do work in the financial services industry, but mostly I am passionate about teaching people personal finances, especially, you know, in the Black community or lower income communities. We don't always have these conversations at our dinner tables like we should. So growing up, I saw a lot. I didn't necessarily like what I saw. I taught myself a lot and I'm like, I have to give back and and teach people um, these things because um, I understand that having financial freedom or even the financial literacy opens up a lot of doors. Um, The way you negotiate, the way you present yourself, it just, it's everything, right? So I created the Money Cook so that way I can teach people these things um, on social media or one-on-one consultations. And that's really what I'm going to be focusing on for 2021. Awesome. Amazing. And I think one of the things that you mentioned on the past show that you were on, so for, for those that haven't listened to the episode from September, please go back and listen. It's the third ranking most listened to podcast show that I have on or episode on this show that I have so I want you all to go back and listen to it we were talking about managing your finances during a pandemic but one of the things that you shared on there was that you were planning to buy a house and you bought a house so ladies and gentlemen yeah so ladies and gentlemen put a plan in place and this is a person that you need to listen to because she manifested exactly what she dreamed of and talked about back in September so congratulations Thank you. For your new home. (laughs) All right. So let's go. We're going to kick it off talking about financial goals for the new year, right? Because all of us are working on that. Um, So what should people be doing in 2021 to set their finances in order? I think that people have to make goals, but not just any goals. They have to be smart goals. So we know what smart goals are, right? It's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Um, And a lot of people throw that acronym around, but it's really important because our financial goals are going to be different, right? Saving, like if I say, oh, I want to save $5,000, maybe Alicia doesn't need to save $5,000, she needs to save $3,000. So I think it all kind of start with, well, what are you as an individual? What are you, you know, as a family, as a professional, whatever it is, what are your goals? Um, for this year, right? Finance or not, and then kind of break it down in pieces from there. So you can't really start saying what I should be doing with my money when you you first have to like, you know, set goals and make sure you know what it is that you want to do and how money plays into that. Very good. You start with the end in mind, right? And you say, okay, what is it that I want to accomplish in my life? What is it that I want to accomplish this year? And then you work the plan, right? That's right. Awesome. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very good. So what are some saving tips uh, 
or some apps because some people are digital some people are pen and paper really doesn't matter but what are some tips that you can share that have worked for you or others that you'd recommend that people start to incorporate as they make their plans okay so the first thing is if you're trying to save for a specific goal like an emergency savings or something like that i definitely recommend automatic transfers right so you set it up whether it's weekly, you know, bi-weekly, however often you decide, however often you get paid, I always recommend automatic transfers. The reason why is because we're all, you know, in the flesh. <laughs> and sometimes there are certain things that we see or certain things that come up. And if that transfer, at least for me, is not coming out automatically, I start making plans for that money because I still see it there in my account. So I think that's the first thing. You know, I think I talked about um, on the last podcast, understanding who you are and being true to to you. And the same disciplines and the same methods doesn't work for everyone. So you have to find what works for you and then, and then you know, make, make it do what it do. So that's the first thing. I think automatic savings transfers. Um, I'm not a big app person. Like, you know, um, the ones where you can save change and all of that stuff. That's not really me. But I do try to use... Um, any credit cards that allow um, or that give a certain amount of cash back when you shop at certain places. So I'm very particular if I'm about to go make a large purchase. For example, we just bought a home. So I want to, you know, purchase certain furniture or things like that. I look, excuse me, at my credit cards to see if any of them are offering an additional cash back um, on particular stores, Wayfair, whatever it may be. Um, and then I make my purchase and then whatever cash back I get, I usually save it. Another thing, if you're a person that you use cash often, um, and I've been using cash a lot lately, but just taking those extra dollars, $5 here and there and putting it in a jar, I know it kind of seems like not much, but at the end of the year, it adds up. Um, if you just take $2 here, you know, and then you take it to the bank and you'll realize in addition to what you've been saving in your savings account, how much you've been saving. Um, another good app actually is Rakuten. It was formerly Ebates. That's a great app to use too, to just get cash back. So it's almost like becoming, getting into a habit of seeing what offers and deals and things like that are out there that's available to you before you start shopping. And it's hard, especially, Sometimes you just want to go on Amazon and say, hey, let me purchase this. Right. But you know, they may have the same product at a different store and then Rakuten is offering 10% cash back. So I guess planning more um, in the beginning, maybe planning out your month, what it is that you need to buy and then taking the time to do some additional research so you can save yourself some money. Now, those are great tips and you are speaking to me because I'm very impulsive and I am an avid Amazon junkie <laughs> and uh, I, like the I like the convenience I like crime right and so I think but I like what you said that's a great tip is to look at your month and maybe you have to start with the week and just say okay what is it that we need for the home because most of the time it's not even personal stuff it's really stuff that we need as a family um, and for me at least and so you know what is it that we need and like you said doing some research and figuring out where you can get your best deal so i like that and i love the idea of the saving the dollars and the five dollars and all that because you're right it adds up and every dollar counts and you know savings goals don't have to be astronomical right it can start right. you can start small and again accumulate and so mm -hmm. and the, and and what i do is i use ally bank we talked about that last time and I, of course now the savings rate is a lot lower than what it used to be but still I put my sinking funds there because it's going to gain some interest okay. and that $4 or $5 is more than you know what I would have if I just kept it in my wallet so right. definitely find exactly. those different ways yeah mm -hmm. oh, that's good very good so if someone is trying to save for their emergency fund because we know that we have to have a rainy day fund so you can call it whatever you want but the point is that it's there for those unexpected expenses. And so we all need to be preparing for that 
or loss of job or, you know, um, just something changes and shifts, medical situation, so many things can happen. So as we're preparing for that, how much should people save and how can they get started with that? Because sometimes it can seem so lofty as a goal. Uh, how can they make that attainable? I think that you, um, for the most part, what I always tell people is, you know, for one, three to six months starting out of your monthly expenses, right? So God forbid if you were to lose your job, your spouse was to lose their job, what do you need to continue to live, right? So your rent, your mortgage, you know, your utilities, things of that nature, you know, excluding all of the extra stuff that's really not needed, right? But what do you need to keep a roof over your head? Transportation, probably so you can go and, and, and find another job or internet, things of that nature. And then start by making sure that you have at least three to six months of that. Ideally, I think it should be six months, but when you're starting out, I think if you have three, you know, you're and then you work towards building it up from there, that's good too. So I don't think there is a specific amount. It depends on the person, it depends on your family and what your emergency expenses may be, right? So, but I think there are levels to this emergency savings, right? Because you have like, you know, at least for me, what I want or my goal is to have six months of our, you know, savings or our um, expenses saved up, right? But then I want an additional emergency fund what if now that we're homeowners, right? What if something happens with the AC? I don't want to have to touch that emergency fund. So I have, just like with sinking funds, right? How we have different categories. I have, okay, this is, God forbid, someone lose their job or, you know, we just need to live off of this, that fund, that emergency fund. Then I have like a house emergency fund or, you know, other emergency fund, which usually I try to keep at least $5,000 in there something that you know and if it's something bigger than that you discuss you know with your household and you figure out how to do it but that's usually um what i would do so for the college student or maybe for the person that's still living with their parents they don't have a large amount of expenses i think 5k is a is a pretty decent amount that should be able to cover you know uh, um, an unexpected large expense. Now for medical, if you do have a job that offer, you know, medical insurance, I definitely recommend um, taking advantage of that benefit. If they have any um, HSAs or, you know, flex spending accounts or anything like that, definitely take advantage of that. Two things, one, that's your emergency, that's your medical emergency. And then it's also pre-tax dollars. So it's gonna be a benefit to you when you go to file your taxes and things of that nature, um, you will be decreasing your taxable income. So it covers two things. <laughs> I love it. And you've got me on that plan. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> She's like, you're maxing out your 401k, you're maxing out your HSA, any questions? I'm like, where is my money? <laughs> you have to. I mean, because you're, like, you're you ultimately will figure paying it out yourself. <laughs> you will figure it out. Yeah. You will yeah. definitely figure it out. Because, and you know, the ones that we have, they don't, it's not the one, you have some accounts where you have to use the money within the year. We don't have those types of accounts. We have the ones that it continues to build up, right? So you can, you know, put your $5,000 a year. Thank God you don't have any, you know, major medical expenses unless if you're having a baby or something like that. But then, you know, when you're 50, 60 years old, you still have this money, all pre-tax dollars that you can use if something were to come up or if something were to happen to someone in your family. So it does act as an additional savings account for medical. Right. No, it's brilliant. And I had a procedure in December and we have a high deductible, but having the HSA there, right, covered it all. So I think, you know, it's so important to help your future self. And I think sometimes we are focused on the current, the right now, how is this going to impact, you know, me right now versus yeah. saying, okay, how can I adapt? make some sacrifices so that I can help my future self because we never know mm -hmm. when we're going to need those funds mm -hmm. whether it's the HSA uh, or obviously just emergency fund and saving but I love the idea of having something set aside just for your home because mm -hmm. all, anything can happen you know with the home or it just may be that 
you guys decide later that you know what there's something that you want to add on to your home or exactly and you may make a decision that you know what we're going to take a thousand of this we feel comfortable and we're going to you know do that so that's important Mm -hmm. very good all right so mindset right because I know people are listening and they're like that sounds good for (laughs) y'all but how important is it and how can we bring those folks into the fold as it relates to changing your mind about your money and and, in making sure that you start to create discipline and routine so that you can have a great financial present and a great financial future and I think that that's a great question and you bring up a really good point because a lot of people you know I think that's that's the biggest hurdle the biggest obstacle is the mindset right you have to get yourself to a point where you're ready to tackle your finances. And I think I mentioned on the previous um, podcast that we recorded, some people, they're just not ready to face that beast yet because whether it's good or bad, finances can be overwhelming, right? Like we hear from a young age, like your parents, you know, you don't really talk about money. At least in our communities, we didn't, right? Like, you don't worry about how much money other people make. You don't, you know, you don't borrow money from people, all of this stuff. It's like a, it's almost like sometimes in certain families, money is a bad thing. Like, you don't even want to really talk about it. So I think it can be very overwhelming. So an individual needs to come to a point where they're ready to just face it, whatever it is. Debt, you know, your spending habits and everything else, because the reality is, you can, and, and it's funny because at the beginning of every year, everyone's on this high. It's a new year. I want to save and everything like that. And around March, April time frame, it just starts to trickle down because you don't, that, that motivation that was driven by whatever you were seeing on social media or whatever it is, is not coming from within. So if you don't have that external force pushing you, those people who aren't you know, really intimately ready to deal with it, they start trickling off and, you know, maybe you did save a good $1,500, but now you might go spend it on something because you're not, you know, you're not emotionally and mentally there yet. So I think you have to prepare yourself and, you know, we're spiritual people. So that's just, you know, for me asking God, like God put me in the mindset, you know, change my spending habits, change my appetite, you know, create in me what you need me to be so I can get my finances in order for my family or, you know, for whatever it may be. And then watch him work, but allow him to work too. He don't need help. (laughs) Girl, I'm over here like, woo, amen, pass the basket. Yeah, I uh, I love that because, you know, the the Bible in principle, right, um, wants us to manage our finances as well and I know sometimes we talk about money in church people cringe right Uh, but you know money and managing it well is a God thing right and he talks about your your first tenth right and making sure you're you know you're devoting that to him he talks about oh no man nothing but love you know um, the Bible talks about um, you know giving right and that we should not be um uh, we should be cheerful givers is what I was trying to say. We should be cheerful givers. And so um, you sow what, you know, you reap what you sow, all the things. So there's so many, you know, principles in the Bible about money. And so we don't have to run away from it or be fearful of it. Uh, everything belongs to God. And right. so, exactly. um, yeah, when we get that in order and we give, even when it's, it seems tight, God will always reward you. And it may come in different ways because sometimes we're looking forward to come back and finances. And but it's not it always back, that yeah. way. It may yeah. come back in a new opportunity. It may come back in just, you know, a good health report, you know, and maybe you were dealing with a health issue. Right now you don't have to pay those, you know, all those doctor bills. I mean, so you just you just have to open your eyes to look at how God will bless you. Um, and we don't do things for him just necessarily to bless us. Obviously we do things because we love him, but he's just, he's a great father. So he's right. looking out for his children. So awesome. Okay. So stimulus check. So people have received their stimulus check. What should uh-huh. they do? What should they do? So listen, I'm not here to tell people what you 
what to do with with your stimulus check all right like you know you got some people who <laughs> thank god they didn't lose their jobs right they still you know they're still making their money so if you are one of those people where your emergency fund maybe it's not where it needs to be maybe you could put that to your emergency fund if you're one of those people who you know um you're still paying your student loans and right now federal student loans their you know interest is will be deferred on it you're not accruing interest right now i believe you know the executive order was until september of 2021 but if you're still actively paying um those loans then maybe you could put it on there because you're not paying interest on it right so that's going to be going towards your principal um so much you can do with it you can start investing in stocks and stuff like that right because that's money that you didn't really plan for so you know you're young 25 years old and you want to go ball out like let me tell you i wish i was on that game stock <laughs> wave that you know that thing that happened um it was all over the news this week i wish that someone had put me on you know a lot of people making big money from that you know but maybe you can start investing do it think about your financial goals and how does this $600 $1200 whatever it is that you got how does that help you to achieve those goals and then you use it towards that now for me personally like <laughs> the first stimulus check that we that we received I still had a job and everything like that I gave most of it away my husband was calling me Santa Claus um, mostly because one we were okay financially and two there are so many people in the world who's just struggling and $1200 is not going to cut it for them you know it's just not so you know i was out and i was looking for people who you know i i really i don't want to say i didn't need it cuz you can you always use the extra money you can put it towards something but you know i just sent you know um notes to my friends and I'm like hey do you know you know a a a young single mom who's struggling who with groceries that I can cash app or you know there were some nurses out in New York I bought them dinner one night for their shift so just you know you can also give right if if you're in a place where you don't know what to do with it and th- that's what I did girl that just that just warmed my heart um and I think, you know, if we really go back to our question we talked about even on mindset, when you change your mind about money and that it's a blessing and that you want to get to a place where you can just freely give and you don't have to be um you know concerned about it right it's just it it your cup right is full and it runs over and so you just have extra to bless people that's just such a great place to be in and i think if we can get our mind there we can get our actions in order to help us get to that place that's that's one thing i want is just financial freedom right to just be able to say hey today i want to just bless you with this that and the third and nobody really right. has to know you know and i think that that's that's a wonderful thing so um god is going to bless you for that so let's switch gears we're going to talk about budgeting so I'll combine maybe one or two questions together. So, you know, what's the best way for people to budget? And how important is it to pay attention to your finances? Because I I I believe that there are some people listening that may not have a budget. So, how important is it to monitor what's going in, what's coming out, and, you know, just budgeting in general? That is the most important about budgeting, right? Because if you if you don't how do you know what to budget? pretty much right i mean we have our you know normal recurring items rent living expenses and everything like that but you also have to take inventory of where your money is going and a lot of times we don't do that whether that's eating out whether that's spending money on coffee whether that's spending money on subscriptions to certain things like i know i get caught up sometimes because i'll sign up for a free trial of something and then 3 months later <laughs> it's like but then i'm like oh, it's just 999 or it's just 699 but at the end of the year that's over $100 that could have went to something else so i think it is very important before you even start to think about doing a budget if you're starting from scratch i would just take you know a previous month or two of your bank statements and then take inventory where's your money going 
and you know recognize if you do have a hefty if you've been spending a good amount of money eating out then your entertainment or eating out budget needs to be x so before budgeting you you should take inventory so you can know what your budget should be what a lot of people do is they create a budget of what they want or realistically right or or it, it's not realistic so if you say i want a $400 a month grocery budget but when you look at the last 3 months you spent $1000 but you're budgeting 400 in your mind you're going to be thinking oh well budgeting doesn't work for me when really it's just like your budget is not realistic to your lifestyle so take inventory understand where your money is going and then create a realistic budget work off of that budget using you know your actual data from previous months and then make adjustments as you go so you say hey yeah i have been spending $1000 a month on groceries but i want to try to get it down to 900 or 800 so then you make the necessary adjustments you know in your spending to get it to that point but when you start it it needs to be realistic to what your spending habits are you know what i hear in this whole interview the theme is being smart <laughs> right being smart with your you know your money being smart with how you're thinking about it being smart by making plans being smart by not being impulsive like me right i think that that's a great thing and and something that i hear people say often is a spending plan right because i don't know why we get afraid of the word budget but i think if we do it in the way that you're talking about that would make it a little bit easier but also if we use the term spending plan it's you're just telling your money how you want to spend it right and i think if people can kind of get control of that and like you said put a plan in place and make it realistic then you like you say you can make an adjustment from it so love that love that so what are some ways for people like me that are emotional spenders what are some ways that we can curb that well what that's a loaded question what's making you i, I mean I guess you kind of have to determine, right? And I don't know, you know, if if this is like a counseling thing or whatever it is, but what's what's making you emotional and why do you want to spend? Right? So you, I think you uh, you know, a theme of mine and I realize this cuz I talk on a couple of podcasts or even people that I just talk to normally is just the first thing in understanding your finances or getting ahead of your finances or trying to become a, a financial expert in your own life is recognizing who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are things that you need to work on? What's causing you to make these decisions, right? Um so I think the emotional spending is is probably something different. You have to determine, well, what's causing me to be emotional and why do I want to spend when that happens to me? Is there something that I can be doing to, you know, Is there something else that I could be doing instead of spending when I get into those particular moods or do I create a sinking fund for my emotional spending? Right? I think it's all about I don't I, you have some people they teach personal finances and you're supposed to only buy this or not buy this and if you have debt you're not supposed to spend. I'm not that person. You do what works for you. And if you know that at the end of the day you're an emotional spender and you need to buy things for whatever reason, then you put that in your budget. <laughs> you make it you you, yeah. you create a line item for, you know, I call it allowance. This is what is what we do fund money here. Yeah. So every paycheck you get a certain amount of fund money. So if I want to become an emotional eater or whatever and get Chick-fil-A or ice cream or whatever it is, I have my fund money. for that. So it's not messing up our financial goals, our personal goals or anything like that cuz it's already money allocated to that. So I think that that, you know, especially if it's just sometimes we all have our days and months. <laughs> like you just I just want to buy sure. myself something nice, right? <laughs> like yeah. So yeah, I think that that's fine. Just create create a budget. for it. Now, if you find that it is becoming a if it's becoming an issue, some people have emotional spending issues that lead to getting into more debt, that leads to opening up credit cards and if it's getting out of control, then that's a different story. But, you know, if you have the additional money and you want to create yourself a little fun, 
to go shopping. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as it's not, you know, preventing you from achieving your financial goals. Yeah, no, that's good. I think, um, like you said, getting to the root of what's causing the behavior so that you can correct it. And I think that's mm-hmm. good. Oh, and like you said, especially if it's not overboard where it's spilling into other aspects of your life, then you need to just put you an allowance or, you know, fun money right. in place to, to capture that. No, that's good. So, you know, to your point, it's personal finance, so it's personal. And so one of the things that, you know, I think is important and you you said it today is to make sure that you're doing what works for you and your household. And so for some people, they may have heard of this kind of like 50, 30, 20, 50% goes to a certain type of expenses, 30% goes to something else, 20% goes to that. Some people do 70, 30, 10. Um, any thoughts on that? Or would you just encourage people to to um, try and see what works best for them? Yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think you have to try different methods to see what works best for you. I think, you know, when you have those methods, 50, 30, 20, or 70, 30, or 70, 20, 10, or whatever it is, you're kind of putting yourself in a box, but you have to take inventory to see. For some people, their, you know, 50% of needs that this theory is, their needs might be 80%. If they have certain, you know, medical conditions or whatever it is, I don't think that you can always necessarily follow that. But it's important to take inventory to see, like, as of right now, what is that percentage? Each of those categories, what is that percentage? And can you make some adjustments to it? For some people who are, you know, debt-free and they only have, like, you know, their living expenses to pay, their needs, that percentage will be a lot smaller. So maybe they decide that they want to you know, create investments or, you know, more savings or more giving or, you know, whatever it is. So you first have to take inventory, see where you stand. And then ultimately, where do you want to be? Everyone doesn't want to do the 30, the 50, 30, 20, right? But just figure out what do you want and then make adjustments to get there. Absolutely. It is, it is not one size fits all. It is not, uh, I think what you talked about earlier, where we're so prescriptive and we, we create these this box and we're like, you only can do personal finance this one way, I think. Um, but you still have to be smart. And I think you still have to take inventory and you still want to make sure that you're hitting the goals that you've set forth for yourself. But the path to get there can look so different just depending on you know how much you're also willing to work more if you want to earn more income. It could be based on, you know, just a lot of different things, um, you know, related to your life situation. So, and the strategies take, will change yeah. depending on what's, what's going on in your life. So that's why a lot of times too, I don't teach to just be, you know, real, like what you said, prescriptive and doing this one thing. You have to be flexible with yourself because life is going to happen, right? So when you were single and living by yourself, your finances is completely different than when you get married and when you have children and when you have to send those children to college. So you just have to be adaptable and and constantly taking a look at it so that way you know when it's time to make a change. Because what worked five years ago is probably not going to work now, right? So that's why it's important to keep on taking that inventory. Now, I'm a little extra and I look every month, <laughs> sometimes multiple times a month. You don't even have to do that. You know, you can have checkpoints to say, hey, every quarter or every six months. So, you know, if you, depending on the type of person that you are, if you just want to do one big review at the beginning of the year, you can do that too. But just make sure that you're keeping your eyes on it and making adjustments as your life is changing. Yeah, it is. It's personal finance and, and managing your finances in general I know some people say uh, for retirement sometimes they'll say you know for your 401k they'll say you know because I've said this too set it and forget it and, and really what I mean is just set it and you know don't touch it unless you're increasing it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think for all of all of us in all parts of our finances we need to be making sure we're taking that extra look you know what can we be doing differently what can we add what can we take away you know we need to make making those adjustments as you said life changes you know getting married 
does, you know, impact your finances, having a child, you know, having a medical procedure, all of those things can impact your finances. So you definitely want to be taking a look at that. All right. So speaking of retirement, as we kind of make our descend uh, shortly is, you know, when I think about the analytics for the podcast, uh, our our population of folks between 35 and I think 59 is actually the highest um, of the listener group. And then our second highest are those like 18 to 24. <laughs> so we have young people and well, we're still young because I'm in that 35 bracket, but you know, we have you know Gen Z, I think they call it now, and they mm-hmm. have and we have millennials and certainly uh, folks that are um, you know Gen X. And so for retirement purposes and planning for retirement, you know, is it ever too late? Or what if someone feels they're, they haven't saved enough? Kind of what are your thoughts on retirement and kind of how, how can they start today doing something better than maybe what they were doing yesterday? Yeah, so I think that that's, again, um, you know, definitely taking the inventory, but you have some people that they they get a late start or maybe they had a career change or, you know, something happened. I know a significant amount of people who, you know, they were taking care of sick parents or they couldn't really work and do what it is that they wanted to do. So they're getting a little bit of a later start and they're starting their 401ks or their retirement, you know, in their late thirties or their late forties. So, you know, it's kind of important if your job offers a 401k, max out, like you have to play catch up, right? So usually companies offer a matching amount, right? So whether that's 6%, 8%, whatever it is, usually if you're starting out this company when you're 22, 23, you're probably just going to put whatever they're matching, right? But when you're a little older, you have to try to be more aggressive. So I think the IRS limit last year was 19,500 or 19,000. So if you can, you wanna max that out you know, as soon as you start. Um, Another thing that you uh, want to look at is is identifying how much savings you need, right? So if you still plan to retire at 65, what is your lifestyle going to be then? Are you still going to have a mortgage? Do you have kids that are in college? What are your expenses going to be? And then, you know, think about think about that, right? So you have 401k options. You can also do a Roth IRA if you want. If you do have extra cash and you can probably get some investment properties if you're into real estate, you know, you have to start thinking about other ways you can bring in income, right? So that way you don't have to work until you're 85 (laughs) before you you can retire. Um, It's important to not to take on more risk and more debt at that point in time, I mean, if you don't have a house, but you want a house, that's fine. But, you know, not opening up crazy amounts of credit cards, getting crazy expensive cars, just making more financially conscious decisions because your recovery time, you know, before it's a lot less than, you know, um, your retirement age. So definitely that. I just took some notes. I'm making sure I hit everything. Uh, pay down debt. If you do have, you know, a significant amount of debt, kind of getting that out of the way so you're not paying crazy amounts of interest. But it's definitely doable. You know, if you have kids who are going to college, definitely encourage them to apply for scholarships. If they're an athlete, maybe they can get an athletic scholarship. You know, you and your spouse comes first, right? When thinking about retirement. So yeah, we want to help our kids and everything like that, but just make smart decisions. Help your kids as much as you can, but make sure that it's not going to cause you to be working another 20 years than you have to. That type of thing. Um, Think about different types of insurance that you can get at that point in time. Maybe a term life insurance policy that'll, you know, pay out some money that can help for retirement. So, you know, I don't call myself a financial advisor, more a financial educator, but you know, if you can, maybe get in a financial advisor so they can tell you exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to be investing in so you can retire by that by that age. Very good. And I and I I think one of the things that I want to make sure that people take away is that people are living longer. And so you're going to need your money to stretch longer and so even if you are starting a little bit later 
make the decision today, <laughs> whatever day that you're listening to, you know, this podcast. Okay, let me go research what my company offers. Let me go look at, you know, the different financial organizations that offer a Roth IRA or traditional IRA if you need to. But you need to make sure that you put some money away so that you're, you know, you can uh, live uh, great for a long period of time because again, we're living longer. So, all right. So speaking of kids, and you probably can hear mine, (laughs) but speaking of kids, um, let's talk about that and then we'll wrap up. So... Okay. Um, it's important to prepare for our children's future. So what are some thoughts that you have on ways that parents can start to do that? Well, I think that you definitely have to start as early as possible with financial literacy, right? So like those conversations that usually happen at the dinner table, right? So um, I don't think there is a, two, I mean, if your kid is one, right, he's probably or she's probably not gonna understand, but you know, teaching them the value of a dollar, teaching them, you know, the importance of hard work or where money goes and everything like that. So for us, you know, we talked about as our kids grow, giving them an allowance and then teaching them about tithing, teaching them about saving from a very young age, right? So that way it can become, you know, they can become accustomed to it and understanding what to do with their money, not just, hey, take this $5 and go do whatever it is that you want for it. Definitely teaching them the importance of saving. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think as, as young as you start giving them money, right, as soon as they start understanding the concept of receiving gifts for their birthdays, you start having those conversations. Like, look, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, you're getting this because mommy and daddy work hard, you know, and we're gifting this to you because you're doing well and everything like that. But having them understand the concept of money, things aren't just given to you. Um, And then they'll continue to ask more questions. And I think you just kind of open up the door that way. It shouldn't be one of those topics that we're scared to talk about because they're going to make, and probably younger than what we were, what our parents were, having to make decisions, financial decisions. When you go to college, you sign all of this paperwork to take out these loans and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into until you're about to graduate and you get these letters in the mail. <laughs> it's like, your payment is going to be <laughs> $500 a month. What does that mean? What is an interest rate? What is debt? What is credit cards? And I think you can start having those conversations with them young. You don't want to overwhelm them and make them scared, but at the same time, you want to make them aware of what's out there so they can make informed decisions or they can feel comfortable coming to talk to you about things before they go ahead and do it. A lot of the times, like when I got a new credit card, I was so scared to tell my mom (laughs) because I was like, I don't want her to yell at me because I'm just, you know, you use credit cards sometimes like cash, thinking about it, but I think if you just have those conversations in advance, kids will feel comfortable coming to talk to you about things and, and you know, you can help them to make an informed decision. Perfect. And uh, one thing that we do for our uh, son, our older son, is that we have a, um, we give him, so he likes Fortnite, the video game. And so what we do is we allocate, you get, I think it's like $31.99 for like the lowest package of V-Bucks, I think they call it. And so we're like, you get that once a month. It comes on the first of the month and that's what you have for the month. Don't come ask us for more. That's what you get. And so, and then he has his chores that he has to do. And so we try to, you know, because that it, it, every week we'll be getting it because they're not thinking, right? They're just like, right. oh, but it's a new week. I need to play again, right. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I think it's important to teach them and to, to make sure that's in order. So I want to talk about college real quick. And, you know, uh, one thing that we did is we have 529 plans for both our children. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then can kids go to school without going into debt? Yes. And yes, I think the 529 uh, plans are great. Um, A lot of them are transferable too. And when you start them when they're really young, I've heard really great things. So um, I don't know, like the last podcast, you know, I I wasn't, but I'm expecting. So, (laughs) which you know, so we're having another baby boy. Yes, we're, 
we're growing our family. So we're gonna have two baby boys this summer. Um, not I'm not pregnant with two, I'm having one, and then one plus one equals two, right? So we're gonna set them up a 529 account um, because I just think it's important. And if they decide that, you know, they don't want to go a traditional route, you know, we'll take it from there. But it's important to, you know, do these things while they're young, compounded interest, right? You know, we we know that we understand it. And then you're setting yourself up so that way your kids are taken care of for college. Now, there are ways that kids can go to college without debt. There are a lot of programs out there um a lot of scholarships out there that are available to people so i think we just have to educate our children and you know letting them know what's out there we probably have to educate ourselves to find out what's out there too there are so many different programs like there are high schools where your kids can go to and get their associate's degree while they're completing like their high school careers right so then they only need to go and you know maybe only need to spend two years um, and you don't even have to have money for two years of college as opposed to four, right? Understanding your kid and talking to your kid while they're growing up so that way you can gauge, well, does he want to go to a four-year university or does he want to go to more like a technical school? Does he want to be an entrepreneur? Can we give him some money to set something up that way? I think we all kind of have this traditional sense of, oh, you know, you go to high school and then you go to college. but. I plan to have more conversations with my kids to figure out what it is that they want to do and how can we help them to be successful in whatever that may be. I'm not going to force them. Like, for example, my mom was like, you you getting out of here. You going to, <laughs> you going to college, right? Because that's what she knew. And she also didn't have that experience and that opportunity. So for me and my three sisters, she wanted us to have that. I thank her for it because I am who I am because she pushed us to do that, right? But I don't want to have that same, you know, being more knowledgeable, experiencing certain things and meeting entrepreneurs and meeting people who took the non-traditional route. I want to be able to, you know, show my kids that there are other things out there. And so I think by having those conversations, you'll know what to do and you'll probably end up spending a lot less money Um, by steering your kids in the direction to, you know, kind of what they're passionate about and where their heart is leading them. Awesome. And I think the earlier you start, like you said, I'm so glad you're going to start that for your children. The earlier you start, the better for the, like you said, the compound interest. And the beautiful thing about 529s is you can invite other people to also give money. So we, the Smiths, will be making sure that we do that for (laughs) CJ and I won't name the other baby. Um, because you'll name that baby at the right time. But yeah, but definitely, I think that's important. And and to, even like you said, talking to them, understanding if they want to go down the entrepreneurship path, uh, because obviously that can be fruitful for them as well. And, uh, you know, and maybe they don't need a degree. Maybe they still want to get, they want to go to school, get their business degree so they can be an entrepreneur. So I think it's, uh, but you want to be prepared for them to go to college, right? And then if that happens, then they've got a nice method to do that. Perfect. So this has been awesome. And as I mentioned in the beginning, this was going to be educational. And that's what we we want to share information on this podcast. And we want you, when we talk about walking out your purpose, especially if you are a parent, you know, you want the best for your children. If you are, uh, you know, not uh, a parent, but you're, you know, married, we want the best for your marriage and your finances. We know that finance is the number one issue and reason for divorce. So we want you to, you know, be walking in your purpose as it relates to taking care of your finances so that you can bless, bless other people. That's We're here to be stewards of God and to bless other people. So um, no matter where you find yourself in life, even singles, no matter where you find yourself in life, it's important to manage your finances so that you can be a blessing to others. So leave us with one money tip, Koya, and maybe one lesson that you learned from 2020. I know it's behind us now, but just maybe one lesson that you learned through all the bad madness. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, tell people where they can find you. Okay, so my best money tip. There's so many. I'm trying to think of the best one. Um, the best money tip I would have to say is save. Save. Like you can't, you can't save enough. 
right i mean there are other things that you can do with your money and you'll have people especially investors and stuff will be like oh invest but you know what save to a point where you're like okay i don't know what to do with this money so let me go and invest right and i think that and you know at least for us we didn't you know lose our jobs or anything due to covid we did have some financial impact though but we didn't feel it as much because we kind of had that nest egg so save as much as you can anything extra you know save put it to the side and pay down your debt you know try to try to find a good balance and it's tough i'm not going to sit up here and make it seem like it's easy and it's not a 50-50 you have $1000 put 500 in savings and put 500 in debt find what works for you but save and pay off your debt um and i think that you're going to find yourself sleeping better at night my biggest financial lesson in 2020 is giving because i gave a lot but i was still able to achieve all of my financial goals and then stop you know so i think that especially in times like this right where so many people are struggling giving if you can like don't go not paying your rent and your mortgage to give right but definitely make sure that if you if you have the extra and if you're led to give um it 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 makes you feel good and i think that god blesses a cheerful giver so um I, I, that that's my biggest financial lesson in 2020 and you can get in touch with me by following me on instagram at the money cook um and you know please send me you know a direct message i would love to connect with you if you have any questions or anything like that and alicia thank you again for having me it's always fun you know we have conversations like this all of the time but um thank you for having me and giving me a platform to you know share what i'm passionate about and thank you for doing what it is that you're doing with this podcast and allowing other people to you know walk out their purpose Thank you. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure. And as you said, we have these conversations and I will tell you all as listeners, you know, the only reason why I am is I mentioned earlier maxing out my 401k and you know, doing my HSA and you know, doing all my the different things that we're doing with our finances is because of Quaya. So, thank you so much. And until the next time, you all be blessed. everyone I hope you were able to take copious notes and have at least one action you will take to propel your life forward in pursuing your purpose let's get it we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us now go conquer your day and don't let it conquer you until next time peace and blessings